Well, my name's James. If you don't know me, I'm the worship pastor here, and I'm one of the teaching pastors as well. And today I'm going to be kicking off our brand new series, Family Matters. I believe today God wants to take us from a place of being frustrated in our family situations and move us into a place where we are fulfilled and we see God's fulfillment. Is anyone willing to move from frustration to fulfillment today? Amen. Yes, Lord. It's going to take a little bit of soil inspection. I want to tell you one of my new hobbies is my yard. For a while, I, had the, I let the guys that come and spray it take care of it. I wasn't happy. I thought I could do better. Then I went all organic last year and, and made a complete mess out of my yard. So it's now weeds. It's terrible. Bill probably drives by my property and goes, man, what's Wheeler doing with his yard? It's just gone. But the good thing is I'm learning a lot about soil and I'm learning a lot about weeds and I'm learning that those weeds have been there. Some of them since last year, they just didn't pop up till now. And so you have to have a strategy and it's all about soil health. And when we look into the word of God, I want to encourage you today. This message might be challenging. It should be challenging. It's challenging for me. But when we look into the soil of our heart and say, hey, what's there? Don't you want God's word to bring the fullest harvest that it's intended to? I certainly desire. And when that's not happening, we have to say, maybe I found out that the guy that graded my lot and built my house, just decided, let's dump all the rocks there and then cover it up with dirt. Grass doesn't like to grow on that either. So there's rocks there, there's, there's weeds there, there's seeds there. That's like our heart. So we want to make sure our heart soil is prepared. This is one of those, hey, check out your heart soil type of messages today. But God knows, and what I've so appreciated in the service so far is during the worship, God has just had us in this place of total yieldedness to him. There's just a sweet presence of God, just have your way, do what you want in my life. So I know in the weeks ahead, Pastor Jim's going to bring some very practical solutions. I saw Pastor Nate's title, something about clocks and clockmakers, and I have no idea what that's about, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. But today we're talking about moving from frustration to fulfillment. And we're going to look at a very dysfunctional family in scripture, and there's a lot of them, but we're going to choose one. And we're going to look at a very dysfunctional individual in that family. And if all goes well, and it does, when the Holy Spirit does what he does, you can disregard anything I say that doesn't line up with his word and just keep the stuff that he ministers to you. I was sharing with uh, a brother in the breakfast room that I love how even when we preach a sermon, sometimes the Holy Spirit will preach a totally different sermon to someone sitting there. So like, I trust him to do that. He knows what you need today. He's a perfect gentleman. He's going to make sure you receive what you need to receive. So if all goes well, we're going to move from frustration in our family situation to being fulfilled. And you all said you're on board for that. Did you hear what the cactus said to his therapist? I didn't come from a touchy-feely family. <laughs> I think I can relate. I think <laughs> some of you are like, yeah, I have, I have a temperamental family. Half temper, half mental. <laughs> right? 
Or you could be like the guy who looked up on Ancestry.com and said, I want to know more about my family tree. And they sent him a pack of seeds and said, I think you should start over. <laughs> I got a woo. This section wins the attendance section for today. Let's tell you what. They're going to be my good ameners. All right. The jokes are over. Kidding aside, I want to be a little transparent about my family and my family issues. Um, my parents divorced when I was two. In fact, my mother left. And so there's, you know, abandonment things that the enemy would want to try to bring into my, into my soul. I have to resist those things. And as a result of that, I was raised by my dad, a live-in housekeeper. She was a very old, sweet lady. Her name was Wilhelmina. And she helped raise us. And then by my grandparents on the weekends. So there was no mom in the picture until I was 16. Uh, and all along that time, that journey, very infrequently, infrequently my birth mother, who had mental health issues, would pop in. And it was, it was a strain. It was a challenge uh, during the, those times. So finally, when I'm 16, my dad gets remarried. Okay? So now we have a blended family. I have step-siblings. How, how many of you know blending, blended families have blended issues, Right? You got more issues coming along with, with the different backgrounds there. And then um, my, my biological siblings, both as adults, have experienced divorce. I mean, you know, that's not God's best. Uh, he, he hates that, but that it happens. And we've got to move on and recover from that. But that's, that's a set of issues. Uh, my brother was an alcoholic most of his life, but praise God, he's turned that around. God's got a hold of his heart. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this is my list, and I don't own this. I don't receive it. I just know that it's there, and it's stuff I have to deal with. Depression, suicide, alcoholism, the bipolar, the mental health thing. That is a huge part of my family tree. Not God's best, but it's there, and there are issues. And then eventually, you all know my lovely bride, Christine, of 30 years. So... So guess what? I got issues. She's got issues. Now guess what? We bring those issues together, right? And that's just what happens. You know, things happen and we have to learn how to deal with them. So maybe I said some things you can relate to. I don't know your story, but I can just imagine the complex issues just sitting in this room or listening online right now. Big challenges, family-related things. So I'll just do a poll and we can be I'm, I was transparent. We can be transparent today. How many of you would say right now um, you're frustrated with your family issues? You can go ahead and put your hands up or raise it high on the inside. How would you say right now in this moment, like I'm at an all-time high, ready to explode, can't take it anymore, <laughs> frustration with a two in the back? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. You know, it's okay to not be okay but we wouldn't want to stay there. We would want to move from that place. So this is the one where I'm gonna see how honest you really are. <laughs> how many of you would say, I'm the source of all the family issues? <laughs> hey, I got a couple, couple, good. That's good, right? If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And we get in our own way sometimes, we can't help it. And we're gonna look at kind of what that's about and where that comes from. But here's the reality. You can't run from your ancestry. You can't deny your DNA. 
but you can change your focus. You can change your approach. And today we can learn something, I believe, uh, something that might not end the issues right now, something that won't necessarily solve everything overnight. But here's what I think it'll do. It'll make sure that we're not in the way of what God would want to do, and it'll make sure that he does only what he can do, and it'll make sure that we're not adding to the issues. We're not complicating the dysfunction that might already be there. See, God isn't limited by your family dysfunction. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. And so he's not limited by that. It might seem like your big reality. And you need to know this today. He doesn't let our sinful inclinations hinder his plan of redemption. If that was the case, we never would have got Jesus. Because the bloodline all, the, all along had issues, right? But God says redemption is coming. Nothing can stop it. Your issues can't stop it. But I'm going to bring you to a place where you confront those issues. And we're going to see that in just a minute. His perfect plan is always carried out through imperfect people. And here's where the rub happens. God gives us a unique identity. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that my personality is different than my wife's. In fact, in a lot of ways, we're polar opposites. And God does that on purpose. Did you know that? She has what I need, and I have what she needs. And that can be beautiful, and it can be explosive at times. And that's the reality. So God gives us the strength. He gives us our personality. But the enemy wants to use our strengths and our gifts and use the weak side of that. And I'm, if for, for the sermon today, I'm going to use the term flaws. The weak side of your strength is your character flaw, right? And so we want to look at that and be honest. The enemy wants to capitalize. He wants to, to multiply the confusion, the dysfunction. But here's the thing. Where's your focus going to be? Where's your focus going to be? And are you going to look at maybe yourself and your strength and your great winsome personality as the answer? Or are you going to say, no, God, you've got to do this. There's absolutely no way I can do anything about this. So we're going to look at Jacob, if you haven't guessed it by now. I think he's the poster child for dysfunction in the Old Testament. One of the big ones. And we're going to look at a story, two, two snapshots from his life. And we're going to find him returning. God has called him back to his homeland after being away for a long time. And God has finally forced Jacob's hand to go back and face a broken relationship. That's hard to do, isn't it? And God has called him back and says, you're going to face this situation. In fact, he's going to face his brother who previously he stole his father's birthright from. How many of you know that would make you mad if your brother stole the blessing that belonged to you? Do you remember the show Jerry Springer? I hate to admit, I may have seen a commercial or two, but maybe didn't watch a whole episode. This is a Jerry Springer show about to go down. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. It's not a fun situation. In fact, if God doesn't intervene, and by that I mean if Jacob doesn't have an encounter with God and change, then Esau's just going to murder him and his whole family. 
your Thanksgiving this year doesn't sound so terrible now, does it? <laughs> That's not going to happen to you, right? It's all about uh, your particular situation. So let's read here this story. He's being called back, and this is his prayer. Genesis 32, verse 9. Are you still with me today? Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your people and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and compassion and of all the faithfulness which which you have shown to your servant. With only my staff long ago crossed over this Jordan and now I have become blessed and increased into these two groups of people. Verse 11. Save me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Look at that word there, fear him, that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. And you, Lord, said, I will certainly make you prosper and make your descendants as numerous as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be counted. There's a lot going on in this prayer, and if we don't understand the story, we might miss it. It it seems like he knows the God of promise. It seems like he knows, hey, this is the God of my father, the God of my grandfather, and this is what you said. You said you were going to take care of me. And so he's very nervous, and he's very uptight, and he admits it there in the middle. I am fearful. I have fear. Fear is not a good thing. Fear will cancel out your faith. Fear is the opposite of faith, and Jacob needs to deal with his fear. So what's going on here? We just need a little bit more backstory. If you know this well, great. For some of you that don't, you're going to hear it for the first time. Jacob, the name Jacob, he was named for his nature. You ever know someone whose name matches their personality? Pets, you name the dog, and it seems to live up to that name, right? Allegra is our living hope. She's our lively hope. You know her. That's, that's, that's her personality. So he was named for his nature, even from the very beginning. His name means supplanter, one who seizes, circumvents, or usurps, kind of has other ideas there too that are similar to that. He was a twin, and, and he had the unfortunate position of coming out second, and he was grasping at his brother's heel. He was a grabber then, and he never stopped grabbing since. I need to seize this. I'll do anything I can to get this. And so I said earlier, eventually he and his mother, so the whole family is messed up here in their trickery, tricked the father into giving him the birthright blessing and stole it from his brother. And so if you read in there, it just keeps getting worse because Jacob is either lying to someone, deceiving them, not telling them the truth, trying to shuffle the deck so it works out for him, or... That's being done to him. Isn't that interesting? The way we see the world, the way we're shaped, it has a tendency to be cloud how we perceive things. And what we're doing is also happening to us. And it creates a very myopic situation. Despite that, God was blessing him. It's not as though he was a complete failure. In fact, he was very successful. And see, God will let you succeed on your own merits. And he'll even come in and bless you to a certain degree. But he doesn't want you to think that you got that because of the way you were made and because of your personality. 
So in this prayer, it's almost like he's saying, God, can you bail me out? My past is catching up to me finally. You know, I got to obey you. I got to come back and do what you said. But my past is catching up to me. And get this, I'm about to lose everything. If Esau kills uh, his, him, his wife, his family, he's taken all his stuff too. Isn't it just like God to put your stuff on the line to find out exactly where your heart is? And what's interesting is he did the exact same thing to Abraham, his grandfather, Jacob's grandfather. I want you to bring the son of promise to the altar and sacrifice him to me. And are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let go of even the thing that I said I will do for you in order for me to move to the next area of blessing in your life? And so this is, it's a point of decision for him. It's a defining moment. Now, I do want to put this in here because some of you that are really go-getters, maybe you're really high-achieving and successful, and I think we all should be in whatever God asks us to set our hand to. He says it would prosper, amen. It's not wrong to go after things. You don't want to get the wrong idea here. It isn't wrong to have a go-getter personality. I really appreciate it when someone's a self-starter, a go-getter. It's a strength. Jacob's strength was to be a contender. It's good to be a contender. We want to be contenders. We want to be a disruptor even sometimes. It's good to be a disruptor. But here's the thing. You need to know who are you contending for and who and what are you called to disrupt. See, we need to discern that as the body of Christ. Otherwise, what ends up? Strife, disunity, Dysfunction, Even in the body, when two passionate parties are going after what they think God has called them to do, and we start destroying and tearing each other down, that's the wrong use of that strength. That's the wrong use of that ability. Amen, somebody. You're so quiet today. That's good. You're listening good. Problem is, at every turn, Jacob, he just didn't seem to be satisfied. He seemed to continually grab for the next blessing. And if you'll you'll dig deep into this, I'm not going to go there today. God all along the way. How many of you know about uh, the phrase where, where, where movie makers put hidden things in there for you to see? You know what they call that? Easter eggs, right? So in the old covenant, God always puts these little redemptive pictures of the cross and of the garden and of the tomb and it's all there so listen even in Jacob's kind of going after deceiving kind of personality in life there's this beautiful picture of redemption that's happening every place God called him to the name is significant what happened there is significant the presence of God so I don't want to deep dive into that but know that it's there and know that even in the midst of your mess in your situation, there's those little bright spots, those, those little moments where he's showing you, see, I have this. I have your family destiny in my hands. And will you trust me? Will you give me more so that I can do more? God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for your family. God desires his blessing in your family. God has promised salvation 
for your family. But are you trusting him to bring it about? So let's look at some takeaways here. These are very practical takeaways from the truth of what we're looking at here. Fill in number one. Will we try to fix our family or force our family to change? We will be frustrated. It's just the plain truth. When we try to fix our family, I know what's wrong with you, let me just get in there and fix it all, or force them, and that can be, that can be overt or it can be passive-aggressive. Any attempt to do that is just going to cause frustration and we'll be frustrated. It's not a holy frustration. It's a self-imposed frustration. There's a difference. Why is that feeling number two? Because fear drives the need for control. I can't really trust God to do this, so I've got to step in and be his helper, and I've got to intervene here because I'm afraid I don't have control. I've lost control of the situation. Who's in control? God's in control. He'll take care of it. So Jacob, from the very beginning, back in the day, when he stole the birthright, he ran in fear. He, fl he fled from his life. What does it feel like your whole life looking over your shoulder wondering that that's going to catch up to you? That's a fearful, driven experience. And he'd been running or leading his life out of the worst part of his nature instead of the strength that God had called him to be. He'd been leading his life out of his flaws, his character flaws. So let's look at this next fill-in. When we are in control, our flaws are in control. So we've said, God, I've got this. Been to a couple weekend services. I, I know the word. I'll take it from here. We're in control. Just know that your flaws are going to lead. I was just meditating on this as I was preparing this morning. God's strength is perfected in your weakness. Some of you need to hear that. He's his strength is perfected even in your weakness. In fact, he does some of his most beautiful, amazing work when we just say, I'm weak, but you're strong. And then Paul said, when I realize I'm weak, then I am strong. And that's what we're looking at today. If we plant those seeds from our flaws, the harvest is frustration. And I've learned this in life, in ministry. At the peak of my frustration, I always, I finally realized, oh, James, you're not looking at this uh, in a healthy, objective way. You need to get back to that 30,000 foot and see God has an eternal plan. He hasn't forgotten you. You don't need to step in and try to, Maybe I could just talk to this person. Maybe I could just change this. I'm super frustrated. When I get back to the place of, okay, yes, Lord, I trust you. You've got it. Things get better. I hope you find that to be true. He'll take care of it. He will perfect that which concerns you. Your in-laws aren't your issue. Your siblings aren't the source of your problems. Here's the source of our problem. It's our own lack of faith. It's our own lack of faith. It's our struggle to see that God is at work in the midst of the dysfunction. And he will redeem what seems hopeless 
Redemption, the idea of redemption means you've got nothing to offer and he's going to buy you back anyway. Did you know that? That's what Jesus Christ did. So how do we get out of the cycle of frustration? I'm glad you asked. We need to have an encounter with God. It all comes down to a daily encounter with God. Not one time way back there in my past, but a daily encounter. Get in his presence as much as you can. Let's look at what happened to Jacob, Genesis 32. Starting in verse 24. So Jacob was left alone. Amen. Amen. Selah on alone. And a man came and wrestled with him until daybreak. We know this isn't just any man or even just a messenger or an angel. It's the Lord himself. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip joint, and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. Are you hungry enough to get in God's face and not leave until you know that he's blessed your family and he's taken care of that situation and there's nothing you need to do? And so God said to him, what is your name? So he's still not in faith, he's in fear. He said, Jacob, in other words, my name is Grabber. My name is Supplanter. My name is Trickster. My name is Deceiver. At least he owned up to it. Amen? And that's the first part of the healing process. And God said to him, your name shall no longer be grabber, deceiver, supplanter, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. An encounter with God. I know the text says he didn't let go of God, but how many of you know if God wants to beat you in a wrestling match, he's going to win? every time it wasn't it God that called him to go back to have this encounter with his brother wasn't it God who had a divine appointment for him you're here all alone I'm sure he wanted a good night's sleep on his rock pillow that night like I better figure some way out to manipulate and offer enough stuff to my brother so he doesn't kill me but God knows and God wakes him up and says we're going to wrestle and I'm not going to let you go until you know who you really are and who I've created you to be. Not who you've been living out of, your false identity, the biggest part of your flaws. The best chance any of us, you or I, have in facing our worst family crisis is to get in God's face. And don't let go, and don't let him let you go. He's got you. He's going to hold on to you. Get away from the constant noise. Turn off the social. Turn off the social. If you can't live without it for a day, I'm going to challenge you. Turn it off. Get rid at least for a week. Just put your phone in the freezer for a week. <laughs> I just say, I've got an appointment with God. You know how your phone tells you how much you've been on stuff? Just take that time and say, oh, I'm going to be with God that amount of time. Turn off the noise. Amen. And here's the deal. You've got to stay there until every last part of your old identity, the flaws, 
the weak side of your strength that you, I'm known for this, everybody knows me for this, until that is gone, until the old way of doing things is gone, till you truly remain a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, all things have become new. And then it won't be you that's making your way in life, it will be God who prevails for you. We need to be marked by God in such a way that our flesh can never again be the source of our strength. I can imagine the mighty Thor blow that God gave him on his hip in that epic battle to say, stop living out of your character flaws and just trust me. If I got to make you limp the rest of your life to remember, that's what's going to take place. We need a, an encounter with God that exchanges our vision for greatness with his eternal plan of redemption. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us today. Let's finish up here with the remaining uh, uh, fill-ins. See, we will face our flaws if we confront our fear with faith. I'm, I'm using alliteration. Obviously, it's intentional to get it to stick in your brain. If we will face our flaws if we confront our fear with faith. That's a bold step. Every day, let go. I believe you, God. I trust you. It's not my character. It's not my nature, but it's you. Because this next fill-in, fear causes fights with our families. You get embroiled in this big fight. This person has to prove that this person is wrong. And this person, you have to weigh all the evidence. It's like you're going to court. That's just fear being manifest in a fight. But faith makes us fight for them. Faith makes us fight. You will fight for your family when you truly trust God. You won't fight against them. And I know, I know, they're not nice sometimes. We're not nice to each other. We really get on each other's nerves. But take that as your cue. I need to get in the face of God and contend in the spirit for the condition of my family. And here's why I fill in, because faith rests in letting God be in control. Faith says God is in control. And then, finally, this is the the truth of the message here today, where our flaws will bring frustration, the last fill-in, the fruit of faith is fulfillment. The fruit of a life lived in faith and by faith is going to be fulfillment. Like I said in the open, are, are things going to change right now, overnight? Probably not. But when you have the long-term view of eternity, God's redemptive plan to the end, you can stay in there with an endurance. It's the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan for your family. And I want you to look back over your shoulder and start tracking the time when you switched from trying to fix things out of your flaws and when you rested in faith, years go by, look at what's happening in your family. Because see, when you change and people start looking at what's going on with them, what's, what's happening? There's a different heart. It entreats reconciliation, which is what needs to happen. So here's the truth. I'm not fulfilled by my family. Some of you are like, what? How can you say that? 
You cannot get your fulfillment from your family. That's the problem. You have to be fulfilled by your identity in God alone and the identity God has given you as part of his family, okay? And then your family will, will be blessed as a result of that. When I live from that place, I will be the best example to my family, I will be the best help to my family, and I will be sowing good seeds for generations to come. Remember, Jacob had a generational curse to break here because both Abraham and Isaac lied about their wives. Both, both of them had that same issue, and here, here it was handed down to him. And God says, let's deal with this. Let's change this, because my people, the entire nation of Israel, is at stake. And so is the future of your generations. If you don't have communion yet, you didn't get it on the way in, just ushers, make sure everyone has that. We're, we're, we're getting ready to to receive communion today. Have you gotten anything out of this so far? Praise God. So how did it work out for Jacob? I encourage you to read the whole story, but Genesis 33, verse 3, he himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept. What sweet family reconciliation is there when we let God do what only he can do and when we humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves, I believe that's a huge key. In Hebrews eleven twenty one, he made the hall of faith. Let's look at it. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. So this is the lesson. It's one of many lessons in the life of Jacob, but this is the lesson for us today. We need to learn to do the same thing, Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. We desire that each one of you, I'm owning that today, that's me, demonstrate the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until they when? End. It's not over till it's over, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through fear, through what? Faith and endurance inherit the promises. Listen, you can make it. You, you can get through this family crisis. Don't make a permanent decision based on temporary discomfort or temporary pain. Don't you dare do that. God has a plan. His plan is to redeem. There isn't any circumstance beyond God's redemptive purpose. So I want to get real with you today. This is inspiring. It's motivational. It's the word of God. It's spiritual. It's truth. And it's his seed. And it's going to change us. But then when we hear the word of God, it, sometimes there's practical steps we need to take. Amen. Amen. I mentioned some of the things that were issues in my family. If you're listening or watching, if you're in the room and you're struggling with mental health issues, it's okay to not be okay. But I wanna ask you to be courageous and get help because those issues will just keep compounding all your other issues. Get help, seek counseling. You can talk to one of the pastors here. We can refer you to good Christian counseling. You need biblically-based word of truth counseling, okay? Amen.
there's one more thing we need to be honest before God because we like to spiritualize things and act like everything is okay. But if you have a secret hidden sin, you're not helping the situation at all. It's time to come clean with God and be accountable to uh, a leader, someone in authority, because those are strongholds of the enemy. And if you watch someone whose flaws are leading the way and are causing all kinds of stuff, there's a hidden issue, and it's usually a secret sin. It's chemical dependency. It's, it's, it's trying to fill a wound or a void that's been there, that there needs to be therapy, there needs to be counseling, there needs to be accountability. So I'm, I'm saying be brave, step forward. We can get you help with that. Get into a recovery program. If you're in an abusive relationship, if you're being abused, we would not say, oh, just stay there and don't be in fear and be in faith. That's not what this is saying. The very practical reality is we want to get you out of harm's way. Find someone that you trust and speak to them and we can get you help. Don't stay in that place. God doesn't want you to stay in that place. There's practical measures. There's boundaries and things that need to, to be uh, put into place here. So a message like this isn't saying stay in that place. You understand that? Super important. You're watching, you're listening, you're in this room, and probably the thing you need to do before anything else, if you've never done it, is to give your heart completely to Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, confess your sins, admit you're a sinner, admit you've been living out of your flaws, you can't do that anymore. Invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And you're in the room and you're a Christian, you've been a Christ follower, then this is the call to you. Let's surrender today all over again. Let's give him control all over again for every situation. And let's make a fresh commitment to contend in prayer and in the spirit for our families. Not just your natural family, but your church family. The family of God in America today. Amen. Retake up that charge and contend against the principalities and the rulers of darkness, the spiritual wickedness, not against the people that the enemy wants you to think are your problem. So let's get ready with these elements. We have represented the body, the broken body, the word of God, and the blood of Jesus today. I'm just going to pray a prayer. I don't, you don't need to repeat after me or anything, but if we could just kind of agree uh, along this, and then when I'm done, we'll just receive these elements. Father, I just come to you in the name of Jesus, and I'm, on behalf of the people and myself, I admit I cannot fix my family. In fact, I can't fix anything. Forgive me when I've used my flaws to fix things beyond my control. I repent of that. I surrender to you completely. And God, I'm asking for help. Help me to be faithful in prayer for my family because I haven't always been faithful to that. Help me to be loving even when it doesn't feel like I want to. Help me to be an example of what it looks like to surrender to Jesus and live for his glory. But give me the courage to repent. Oh Lord, help us. If we just need to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. To make amends and to bring reconciliation as much as it depends on me. 
I thank you today, Lord, that you're working in me. You're working in my family. I'm believing in faith. I'm praying and trusting in your word to bring household salvation to my family. Wholeness in every area, whatever's broken, whatever's been uh, in disrepair, whatever's been breached. The full truth of your covenant blessing, Lord, we're asking for today. Church family, let's just receive these elements and remember what Jesus did for us. And that is him who is the perfect prevailer on our behalf. He's the perfect prevailing prince. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Now, Lord, I take authority over the enemy that would try to steal, kill, and destroy the truth of God's word that we've heard today. I pray that it goes down deep into the soil of our hearts and that we're going to see progress and change and health and blessing in our families as a result, God. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. The church said, amen.